Hi, and welcome to episode, um, I think this is seven? Seven or maybe episode 500. Mm. It's definitely between seven and 500 of Go Team. Um, I'm Kelly. And I'm Josh. And this is the podcast where we talk about the history and stories behind team names, player names, player nicknames, mainly team names and mascots, though, because really that's the most interesting thing, I think. Um, to wonder about, and because that's the thing I love about sports is stories. And I think people, you know, what, what we've discovered, and, and as we talk about this uh, podcast and, and explain it to other people, is uh, it's amazing how people really take for granted team names. They're just, oh yeah, they're the hundred uh, percent. Just like <laughs> take like, oh, yeah, that's oh, what the team is named. Of but course, they're named the zebras. Uh, and it's right. like, oh I yeah, but it's because this and, this and this and this. Well, no, wouldn't it be amazing? That's because our son was just telling me about the movie Racing Stripes that he's loved ever since he was like two years old, and now he's, he's almost, almost 15. fifteen. So loved uh, it. But a great movie, great movie about horse racing. And if I you guess. haven't seen it, <laughs> Racing Stripes. Uh, but anyways. Yes. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun to uh, unearth some of these great stories and the history behind the team names and the cities that they reside in. And I think it just also like really deepens your appreciation of that team or that city or that, you know, if you happen to be a fan of that team. If you're a new listener, we've gotten quite a few new listeners in the past couple of weeks. Um, thanks for listening and like and subscribe, please, on Apple Podcasts and follow us on our Instagram, go underscore team underscore stories or email us at go team stories at gmail and Josh just started a Facebook for us. Hey, we're 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 really with it now. We're doing all the things. <laughs> um, do you know what else are things that are being done, Josh? Um, I don't know. It's almost uh, you know it's middle of summer right now as yeah. we record this, so um, it really should be something. It should be baseball season. Yeah, but guess what's coming back? Uh, it's baseball. Baseball is coming. Of back. Of course, the NBA is coming back too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the hockey is and. Hockey is? Yes. They're, they're, all, they're all in the works. They're all trying oh. to come back. Well, I'm particularly interested by baseball because our last episode, I don't know if you recall, was about the MLB. And so we did an episode about the MLB. Boom. MLB decides they're coming back. I'm not saying it's because of our episode, but MLB is a friend of the podcast. <laughs> certainly, <laughs> certainly it was our influence on the uh, players union and the ownership to uh, finally come to terms on how they would handle the uh, COVID shortened season. I think it's something also in the news, which I don't know if you've seen this, but also because I did the nationals last time and I talked about how DC is not a state and doesn't have representation in Congress. Guess what is on the docket in the house of representatives that they just passed DC uh, statehood. Oh my goodness. Yes. I can't believe it. I mean, that's too much of a coincidence to think that, like, I like to think they didn't that, listen. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to think that somebody in uh, Capitol Hill heard our podcast and said, you know They what? were like, you know what? You know it what? is time. That white woman from middle America is absolutely right. While we're at it, let's do Puerto Rico. <laughs> oh, we should do Puerto Rico. <laughs> man, they do deserve statehood big time. But um, that's super exciting, though, that baseball's coming back. I know it's, like, going to be a shortened season. But really, I feel like this is going to be my season to thrive and watching baseball because it's a man you're a liar I'm, I'm cutting you off you're a liar no it's you a can't man- you're not gonna handle six, <laughs> 60 games seems manageable yes and it I, is manageable and i've heard other uh, pundits and talking heads uh discuss that oh 60 oh it's only 60 games we can pay so much more attention and it's gonna go faster no look listen I think the majesty of baseball is the is the long slog of the season it irons no, out all the imperfections 
it irons out all the thing, all the he- chance it gets thrown out the window over uh, a full baseball season. I don't. How many baseball games? So much of the in sixty person, games. No, how many chance? baseball games in person have you made me sit through that were either um, Cubs games at Wrigley Field in April that were forty degrees? But no, we got to stay even though it's drizzly. Or games that are 110 degrees, a.k.a. that time we went to the Milwaukee Brewers and I had to take our baby into a air-conditioned office because it was so hot. But did you let us leave? Yes, uh, we did leave that Eventually, one Eventually, <laughs> but once you knew who was going to clinch the game, only then. Yes. You were a glutton for baseball punishment. You're a baseball masochist. Look, if I'm pay- if I'm going to pay the ticket prices that I have to pay these days, I'm going to sit through it and watch the whole thing. Yeah, okay. Well, this week we're not doing baseball. <laughs> oh, we're, oh, we're not. Okay. We're not, <laughs> even though we're talking about it. We are doing the NFL, which you also just showed me this week, the possible new helmets that the NFL players will be wearing if they return, which it's they a propo- are returning. Uh, proposed, yeah, proposed helmets for the COVID world. Uh, look pretty sleek, pretty cool. Uh, but I, I'm going to guess that they probably won't. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if they went fully that route. I could see them just wearing face masks with, like oh, the, with the visors, maybe. I, I don't those know. Those helmets look cool, though. Yeah. Anyway, so we're doing the NFL um, this week, and I'm going first. Yeah, get at it. So I was doing a lot of thinking about what team to do, and I was going to, because there's a lot of actually really great stories behind NFL team names, which I think are really interesting and could be really fascinating. Like I thought about. Um, the Steelers and getting into the whole history of the steel industry and Pennsylvania. And then I thought about maybe um, doing the Panthers. Like, why are they called the Panthers? Is there Panthers in, in one of the Carolinas? I don't know. But then I thought, given the current climate, I'm going for it. And I am doing the Washington NFL team. I'm going to avoid saying the name as much as possible because. Um, I do think the name is a racial slur, whatever anybody else thinks, that's what I think. So I'm going to avoid saying it as much as possible, but I will have to say it a couple times. So when I first decided to do the Washington NFL team, I, like a lot of people probably just was like, they should change the name because it's blah, 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 bad and all this stuff and blah. And while that's true, there is so much I didn't know about the story behind the team name that completely changes the way you look at it and the way you look at why the team is named this. And you cannot talk about changing the name of the Washington team name without talking about these other things. So regardless of how you feel about the name, whether you think they should change it, whether you think they shouldn't, you really need to listen to the story and the history behind why they named this before you can absolutely 100% say you don't think they should change it. So I did like a ton of research on this. Um, I got a lot of information, obviously from Wikipedia, my good friend Wikipedia. And there is this amazing um, article from the Marquette University Law School blog by J. Gordon Hitton from June 13th of 2014. I highly suggest reading it if you have any doubt in your mind about the name. It was extremely well-researched, well-written. It was a great article. And then I got some information from the Washington Post, Time Magazine, and the Washingtonian, which the Washingtonian, because I, and then I was like, I've done two Washington teams back to pack, and I got a lot of information from the Washingtonian, which I've never really read before, but it's a pretty great publication. So I highly suggest um, reading all those. But here we go, the story of the team name 
of the, the story behind the name of the Washington DC NFL team. So we have to go all the way back to 1882. Because in 1882, Congress authorized the creation of five non-reservation Indian boarding schools. Again, I'm going to say the name Indian only when that is the name of given something. Otherwise, I will do my best to refer to them as Native Americans or First Nations people. So Congress created five non-reservation boarding schools for Native American children to go to. So these are schools that are not run by the reservation or on the reservations. So the five schools were um, scattered all around the country. Um, a couple of the schools were Carlisle Indian School, which was in Pennsylvania, Haskell Indian Nation University in Kansas, um, uh, Chihuahua School in Oregon, Fort Simcoe in Washington, and Ch Chai, I'm sorry, I can't pronounce these, Chai Loco School. Uh, I couldn't find where that one was, but somebody out there knows where it is. So these schools are created, <laughs> and they are designed to force Native children to assimilate to white American European culture. So uh, if you can imagine this, your child being forcibly taken from you at a young age and forced to go to this boarding school far away where they were not allowed to visit you, you were not allowed to go and visit you, and they are stripped of everything that makes them who they are and who, where they come from. They are forced to cut their hair into European style fashion. They are forced to replace their names with Christianized names. They are forced, forbidden from speaking their native language. They are completely forced to abandon their culture, their families, and give up anything they know about their Native American way of life, which um, assimilation is an extremely racist idea of white culture putting on um, non-white cultures to make them white. Uh, I've just been reading the book, um, How to Be an Anti-Racist. If you haven't read that, oh man, I super suggest it because it's so like such an eye-opener for me. But um, uh, the author talks about assimilation and how that is a racist idea, and that is exactly what was happening to these Native American children. Also at the school, while those things in general are terrible, completely stripped of identity, completely stripped of being able to be with their families, like, I can't, you know, I was thinking about, like, our children, whenever they're away from us for any amount of time, how hard it is for us, but, and we know they're coming back, and we know that where they are is safe, and these children were put in these places where the parents couldn't even go and see them or visit them, and they weren't allowed to, to visit their parents ever, even, like, rarely on holidays, super terrible. So also at the school, while they were assimilated and forced to learn uh, white American culture and white American ways, they were also subject to extreme physical, mental, and sexual abuse at these schools. This happened in America. Canada has just done a huge reckoning of this happening at non-native, um, non-reservation boarding schools in Canada. We have not done that as a country. But this happened in our country. These children were forced to this. Um, abused terribly in ways none of us probably can imagine or want to think about. So the last non-reservation -res non residential school closed in 1973. All the way up until 1973, 
these schools were allowed to operate. So we have these schools. Now I'm going to introduce you to a character. He's not a character. He was a real person. His name is Lone Star Dietz, Henry, William Henry Dietz. He was born August 17th in 1884 in Rice Lake, Wisconsin. And he attended two um, non-reservation boarding schools. Uh, he first attended one in Oklahoma. And he then attended the Carlisle uh, Indian School in Pennsylvania. Here's what I never knew about the Carlisle Indian School or these boarding schools in general was that, especially in the Carlisle Industry School, which was like a university level school for older students, they had an amazing football team. Like, amazing, almost unbeatable. Um, so Dietz, who then, he starts going by the name Lone Star Dietz, played on the Carlisle um, Indian, they were called the Indians, the football team, so on his team also was Jim Thorpe. You heard of that name, Jim Thorpe? Well, definitely. Actually, as you were talking about the, the football team and stuff, uh, in my mind, I was like, of course, Jim Thorpe. I know, I know this. Yeah, Jim know Thorpe. Jim, Thorpe's um, Jim Thorpe was like a superhuman athlete. Uh, I don't know if you know that he was an Olympic gold medalist in the pentathlon yeah. and the decathlon and played professional football. Yeah, so pr pretty much was the uh, LeBron James of his time. Oh, I mean, probably more athletic, but he was also like small for, even for being a native, he was considered smaller. So Lone Star Dietz and Jim Thorpe both played on this Carlisle Indian team. And you know who their coach was? Pop Warner. Yes, Wait, Pop. the Pop Warner? The Pop Warner um, was their coach. So this football team in 1911 had a record of 11 and one. They rarely lost. During the program's 25 years, the Carlisle Indians had a record of 167, 88, and 13. 167 wins. It is, they have the mo the win their winning percentage is um, .647, making it the most successful, now defunct, college football program ever. So why were they so good? It's, it's all these like Native American Young guys, why are they so good? Well, I'll tell you why they're so good. Because they use something called Indian football. So um, they had what we would, now we wouldn't consider anything any big deal at all because it was, it's just how kind of football's played now. But they invented hidden ball play. So feigning carrying the ball. But it, like, so one time they, so a popular thing they would do is uh, feign, like a bunch of players would feign carrying the ball, but what they did was hit it up the back of a jersey of another player oh, nice. so that it, his arms were free so he wasn't holding it, but everybody else pretending like they were carrying the ball, and that guy had it. So that was legal at the time. It's obviously not legal now, though. I mean, can you imagine if it was? That yeah, would be, be amazing. Pretty, yeah, it would be pretty great. Uh, the overhand spiral throw, they started. The handoff fake, they started. They were known for their speed and athleticism. So they just had, they were just these amazing athletes, had these like, but they considered back then tricks. And so Lone Star Dietz sort of rose to fame playing for them. After he graduated, he then got into coaching. Um, I should also mention Lone Star Dietz identified as Sioux Indian, Sioux Native American. 
So he got into coaching. He coached, Lone Star coached for Purdue. He was then fired and didn't coach for a while. But then he was hired by one George Preston Marshall. George Preston Marshall was the owner of the Boston Braves, the Boston Football Braves in 1933. So the Boston Football Braves then moved from where they were playing in their stadium to the newly built Fenway Park. And they had to change their name because there's the Baseball Braves and they didn't want to have confusion with the Football Braves playing there and the Baseball Braves coming to play against the Red Sox. So they changed their name to the Redskins. And this is probably 1910-ish? 19, um, 19, like 35, I think. Oh, was that late? Okay. Yeah. So they changed their name to the Redskins, which they still carry the name today. So why did um, Marshall pick the name? There's a lot of speculation as to why he picked the name. Here's a few little tidbits. So he said openly that he did not change the name because of Deeds, the head coach, who identified as Sue, but he changed it to honor the other Native American players who were on the team at the time, which there were a couple who came from this very rich tradition of Native American football at Carlisle and other places. They played professionally, so he changed it to honor them. In 1934, uh, Deeds was fired from the Redskins, so, you know, Maybe he was named for that, maybe he wasn't. They then moved to Washington, D.C. in 1937. So a lot of people think that Dietz was the reason a lot of Native players played on the Redskins and went there, and that he is partially part of the reason why Marshall named him the Redskins. But are you ready for the kicker? There's always a good kicker. Dietz wasn't even a Native American. Uh-huh. He had been assuming the identity of a Native American, was actually found um, guilty of portraying a Native American uh, in Spokane, Washington, of assuming the identity of a dead ma of a man who disappeared in Cuba, and his sister came to the court when it was found out that he wasn't who he said he was, and was like, no, that's not my brother. Dietz was born to two white people, though he later passed on his, even his mother told the story that no, he was the son of my husband and this Native American woman, but there's never been any proof that Dietz was a Native American, that he played the role and identified as Sioux because Sioux was like, at the time, the Sioux tribe was considered very like fierce and warlike, and in all the Western movies that come later, the warring sort of violent Native Americans in those Western movies were always Sioux. But he, there's some controversy. I guess he still could be, but the really the thought is that he is not. Interesting. Yeah. So that's one reason that maybe Marshall named them the Redskins. Here's another move, reason. There was a movie that came out in 1929, a silent film called Redskin. And this film is about a young Navajo young man who unwillingly, obviously, attends one of these boarding schools that I just told you about, um, does really well there academically and athletically, and he earns a scholarship to, the, to an Eastern college. They don't, I don't know if in the movie they say what college it is, but he earns a scholarship. 
and he becomes this amazing student there, this great athlete, and like does these amazing things. And then after he graduates, he, of course, tries to find a place in society. And he is rejected by white society because he's a Native American, right? He then goes back to his Navajo reservation, and he is rejected there because of his white ways that he has been assimilated to. So the movie actually, um, people uh, have said that it's, a, it's kind of a classic, even though it's not very well known by most people today. I think you could probably find it um, or find clips of it online. It's a very sympathetic portrayal of Native American life and Native Americans, but it's called Redskin for a reason because he was rejected by white society because he was, quote-unquote, a redskin. So why would Marshall be so influenced by this movie? Well, even though the star of the film who played the Native American was a white man, he uh, like was welcomed into a tribe as a member and stuff, and he kind of, like, this is kind of what he did. Um, another person who was cast in this film was a white woman named Louise Brooks. Louise Brooks and Marshall had an affair. So he knew all about this movie, and he would have known um, the story of it, and he would have been, like, right there with her, even though she eventually was not in the movie because she went on to star in one of the first, actually, one of the first talkies. A talkie. A talkie. So she wasn't in it, but he, um, Marshall knew about this movie. So those are the two reasons, sort of, why they think Marshall picked the name Redskins. Both reasons are linked in racism, terrible, brutal past for America, and uh, the name itself is horrible. It's a terrible name. So let's talk about the controversy of the name and when that started, because um, it's a long one, but, so I'm going to skim. <laughs> Uh, also, you how, should how many know, pages of notes do you got there? <laughs> I got quite a few. <laughs> um, oh, I forgot to tell you that Lone Star Deeds, uh, was, he pleaded no contest to, to uh, falsely um, portraying this man who had uh, disappeared and served 30 days in jail for it. So yeah. he was found guilty of it. He pleaded no contest. Anyway, you should also know that um, Marshall, in the 1960s, when football was integrated, refused to integrate the Washington Redskins and had to be forced to do it in 1962. So it's not like this man is a <laughs> patron of minority rights. And anyway, even if he did have Native American players playing in his team as one time. Um, actually, you'll be interested to know that uh, his statue was just removed from the RFK Stadium on June 19th, they t removed his statue oh, wow. because he was such a um, racist figure. So let's talk about where the controversy comes from because I also think that that is an important um, part of the story. And there's a lot of things like you, uh, you had mentioned to me a while ago about the poll that was done of Native Americans and how they all were like, no, we don't care about... Right. Washington Post. Yeah, yeah, we don't care about the name. And we'll get to that. So... Really, the controversy started in 1968, probably before that, I would imagine people were upset <laughs> about the name, but um, 
1968, activists began to fight to change the, the use of Native American names in sports and to bring an end to like negative stereotypes of Native Americans, which in America, I mean, how many teams around where we live have Native American all names? The, all through the country. It's, it, it is a thing that we apparently like to do. So the activism sort of started there. In 1972, a group of 11 Native American activists asked the team, personally asked the team to change the name. Um, and they were told that the name conveys reverence, not disrespect, which, you know, you could argue either way. In 1992, uh, thousands of activists protested at the Bills versus um, the Washington NFL team's Super Bowl to change the name. They protested at the Super Bowl. Um, and they filed a suit to strip the team name of its name registrations uh, on the basis of it being offensive and derogatory. In 1996, Ohio Miami University, who was also called the Redskins, dropped their name. And they changed it to the Red Hawks, admitting that the name was in fact offensive. In 1999, the Federal Trademark Trial and Appeal Board ruled that the name was disparaging to Native Americans. So it's, this is not something that people are just being sensitive about. This is legal action has actually been taken. So in 2004, a poll was done that shows the vast majority of Native Americans were not offended by the name. Um, so this poll from 2004 is one that is currently used by Daniel Snyder, who is the current owner of the Washington team, uh, to defend the name. Here's the problem with that poll, though. It was a phone poll, and it was not scientifically done, and it was worded kind of oddly, and they did not take into account the people who are self-identifying as Native Americans when they said how they felt about the name, people being like, ugh, I just don't care anymore. You know, like, I have literally a hundred other things to worry about. Lack of education on my reservation, lack of clean water on my reservation, lack of all my neighbor's houses being electrified and having electricity and proper medical care and safety, I could care less right now about the Washington Redskins. None of that was taken into account. Um, so again, not scientific. 2005, the NCAA bans teams with Native American mascots from postseason play, which I did not even know that happened. Yeah, it's pretty wild. So when I didn't know that happened, I actually looked up, because um, I just watched the, um, the Michael Vick 30 for 30. If you haven't watched it, oh, it's amazing. You should watch it. Um, but his, when he played for Virginia Tech, they played against the Seminoles in the Sugar Bowl. And I was like, wait a minute. Are the Seminoles still a thing? They are, but they have a partnership with a Florida, um, the Tallahassee Seminole tribe. And the tribe like, le is, likes them, allows them to use the name. They do a lot of like cultural promotion on their campus. They teach cultural history. Um, so they have a partnership with them. And uh, the uh, Florida State has said if, they, if the tribe ever said, nope, we don't want you doing it anymore, they would stop. So that's how the Seminoles um, do that. Uh, in 2006, a Native American activist named Amanda Blackhorse filed a petition to get the Redskins um, to change their name. I actually looked up Amanda Blackhorse on Instagram. She's got a pretty great Instagram, so you should definitely check her out and follow her. She does a lot of activism, and she's like 
very involved in, in um, Native American education and, you know, sort of empowering the youth. Anyway, it's great. So in 2013, uh, Daniel Snyder famously says he will never change the name. In 2000, also in 2013, later that year, Bob Costas says live on the air that the name is, in fact, a racial slur during Sunday night football. That caused a lot of controversy for Bob yeah, Costas. Yeah, but Bob Costas is awesome. Yeah, but he's calling it like he sees it, Bob right. Costas. Which is, hey, that's his job. It is his job. Literally his job is to <laughs> it call is, it as he sees you're it. You're right, it is. <laughs> In 2013, again, um, Dan Snyder announced the formation of a foundation which has actually spent... Three million plus dollars in Native American communities, so that that's kind of a good thing that has come of it. So in 2016, the Washington Post does another poll, okay? Because they are like, we're gonna really pull it and find out for sure. Meh. But they do the exact same thing the other poll did, and they do a phone poll the same way. It's non-scientific, but this poll finds out that nine out of ten Native Americans weren't offended by the name. But again, they're not taking into account the verbiage used. They're not taking into account people on phone polls are always more positive than you would be if it was a um, paper poll or on a computer or something like that. On a phone poll, because you're talking to somebody, you're always going to give a more positive answer. So neither of those polls are scientific. So actually, in 2020, there was a scientific poll done. And it was a so study. This year? Yes. 2020. Yes. So it was a study from the University of Michigan in UC Berkeley and found that half of people who identified as Native Americans were offended um, by sports fans, uh, by the name, by, you know, and, and that name and just Native American sports names in general. And 65% of people who identified as Native Americans were offended by when fans at um, sporting events do like a tomahawk chop or like an Indian call, and 73% were offended by fans wearing Native American dress at sporting events, or just in general. So, that poll, done very scientifically, kind of refutes the other two polls, I would say. Um, so here we are, right? He is saying he's not going to change the name. Uh, Recently, there have been huge calls by celebrities and by well-known people to change the name, and there's been no word on whether or not that's happening. On June 19th of 2020, the same day the statue of Marshall was taken down at RFK Stadium, the Washington Post editorial board, which had one time been like, oh, no, Native American people like this name, called for the name to change. They said it's time. Here's the other kicker. The Washington NFL team wants a new stadium, and the mayor and the city council has said that's not going to happen unless you change your name. Not good for them. So they have some pretty big incentive to do it. And I think, like now that I know the history, which, I mean, I feel foolish that I didn't know the history uh, even. I mean, I, I, I knew a little bit about... Um, the boarding schools Native children, Native American children were sent to, but not the extent to which, you know, the deep-rooted generational trauma that has probably caused and the, just the lack of, I guess, respect and the lack of care and consideration we have paid to Native Americans in this country um, 
this is like a tiny thing that can happen, you know? Uh, and it should happen, I think. And I've actually done a little more work for the Washington NFL team and thought of some other names that they could call themselves. Well, I always like to think of Stephen Colbert, Stephen Colbert's version. Right, because he was, years ago, he was on it that it should be changed. And he said that from now on, he was just going to call them the Washington Boner Cats, which is hilarious, but, you know, we can't really use that name. So here's two names that, three names that I thought of. These are I'm just sure, you. This is just, this is just you. me. But I'm sure somebody yeah. else has thought of them, but... But they didn't, they didn't have a podcast. I, d- I didn't see it. They don't have a podcast. <laughs> Show me the receipts on it. It's mine. So the first one is the Washington Red Foxes. Which I love. Here's why. Because Red Foxes are indigenous to that area. And a lot of times team names are taken from animals that are indigenous to that area. So and Washington And I think you Red could Foxes. have a cool logo with that. I do too. And you um, could keep the same color scheme. Yes. Uh, here's another one. The Washington Tropics. Because Washington D.C. is in a subtropical climate. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm, I'm right now. I'm on the Red Fox. Okay. Bandwagon. And here's my third one, the Washington Revolutionaries. Which I I, I can and you shorten it by calling them the Revs. Right. Not the refs. No Revs. R E V. The Revs. Because they could keep the R still that they have. As in reverends. Yes. No Revs. Rev. Uh, Revolution. Revolutionaries. Yeah. Isn't that what I said? The. Wait. You said the, the Revs. No, I could think of it was Rev Run. The Revolutionaries. Reverend Re- Reverends. No. Wait. Revolutionaries. I think okay, it's the stop. Red Foxes. Okay, so here's a name <laughs> they could also take. Remember how I talked about how the Nationals used to be called the Senators? Right. And the yeah. whole reason for that. Well, um, in MLB, the name Senators isn't up for grabs, but in the NFL, it is. They could be the Senators. They could be the Senators. I say, Washington, hold out until you get representation for that name, because you don't have any Senators, and you should wait until yes. you're a state. And I think I'm, I'm firmly behind the Foxes. Yeah, I like the Foxes. So um, there was a USA Today article. They've actually had contests about what the rename should be. I'm not the only person, obviously, who's ever thought of that, but there was a USA Today article from June 18th of 2014 by Chris Chase, and he, there's, you can look it up, there's lots of names on there, some of them are really great, some of them are, you know, okay, but my two favorite were the Red Tails, and that is like the red tail of a plane, a propeller plane, like a World War um, One or Two, like fighting jet, which, fighting plane, which... Um, there's a history in Washington, D.C. behind that, which the, and they had, like, logo contests, too, and the logo looked super cool. It was, like, a plane, but it was, like, red, and I don't know, obviously, because it's red tails. Um, so I thought that name was really cool, and then my favorite one was the Renegades, the Washington Renegades. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Yeah, so there's lots of options, and if a I mean, name, literally... Any other name. All the words in the world. Oh, yeah, any other <laughs> word. aren't racist could and, be used. Yeah, and if this name causes people pain, even if it's not a majority of the group, or you think, but if it causes people pain, the logo itself is like, you know, Native Americans are not a prop. They are not a character. They are a proud culture of people that we as a country have taken advantage of and abused and harmed this is like the tiniest thing that could be done 
And it should be done because it's an easy thing to do. And if Daniel Snyder did it, he would be the hero of the NFL right now. That's right. He and, would be the hero. And as we've learned, uh, team names routinely change throughout history. Oh, my gosh. So it's All not the like time. It's, it's unprecedented for it's a team unprecedented. to change names. We've he talked a lot about is, other teams doing it. And all the time they do it. And he is just, like, digging his heels in, I feel like, because, you know, that's what men do. But that's neither here nor there. Anyway, so that is the story of the Washington NFL team. There you have it. Yeah. It's, it's kind of sad and terrible, but... Yeah. Now you know the now you know behind it. So if you were like well, against you know, the, it, the history is really interesting. To you know the you know having Pop Warner, which is such a uh, strong yeah. historical presence in football, Jim right. Thorpe, and um, you know uh, you've weaved quite a, a tale to get to where we are today. And it's amazing with some of the success and um, popularity of some of those historical figures that. Yeah. Uh, a name that disparages Native Americans would remain. Right, yeah. You think and we would celebrate and, and find a way to celebrate without being racist, right? Right. I mean, come on. It, I mean there's, simple. It, it, and if you're saying, like, oh, to honor, you know, the Native American football players or something, I think we can do a little research and digging on that and find a better way to honor. And Jim Thorpe should be, there should be a statue of Jim Thorpe in every town across the nation because he was an amazing. In every town. I mean, I feel like there I don't a, know enough a, about him. There is a town named after him now. Thorpe? Jim Thorpe. I think it's Pennsylvania. Oh, well, it should be. Yeah. So, anyway, if you weren't convinced before, I hope that maybe this moves you a little closer to, one, it's it's a name. If it hurts people's feelings, it's so easy to change. Yeah. Well, that was that was fantastic. Thank you for, Thanks, babe. for sharing. And um, I'm going to... Do a nice. Uh, Are you a little more lighthearted than mine? I really hope yeah, so. I'm going to take a pivot here. <laughs> uh, but uh, so I'm, I'm sticking in the same uh, geographical vicinity, though, with my uh, team this week. And we're going to just travel just a short distance from Washington, D.C. to the city of Baltimore. Ooh. So we're going to take a little quick, little quick look at uh, what is and who are. The Baltimore Ravens. Yay! So, uh, as as we take a look at the Ravens, it's uh, it's, it's always uh, f- fun to look back and realize uh, that the Ravens actually, uh, you know, didn't even start until the mid nineteen nineties. Nineteen ninety six was the first year for the Baltimore Ravens. But of course, Baltimore in NFL history had a uh, used to be the Baltimore Colts before the Baltimore Colts Colts were eventually moved. Uh, out of Baltimore, and then, of course, Indianapolis is now the Colts. Oh, you didn't let me say it. I was going to prove my sports ah, yes, trivia knowledge and say Indianapolis. That's right. Well, give That's me fine. give me one famous quarterback from the Indianapolis Colts. Peyton Manning. Right. Boom. You did a great job there. Uh, but anyways, uh, so that happened. So Baltimore was without a team for quite some time. Uh, and uh, also, uh, I'm going to jump to a little bit further back in history uh, to 1960s. And it was in uh, the 1960s uh, when uh, Art Modell first became the owner of the Baltimore, uh, current Baltimore Ravens rival, the Cleveland Browns. So Art Modell in 1961 became the owner of the Cleveland Browns. The, the Browns was another team I was thinking about doing, so yeah. I'm glad I did it. Well, you still could because who knows why they're called the Browns. We'll find out someday. 
But uh, what, we'll, what we do know is that you know, the Browns w- had a very, very proud history. And in fact, you mentioned the 30 for 30 earlier. There is the Believe Land uh, 30 for 30 as well. The ESPN so does. So good. That one's good, too. Talks, They're all good. Talks a lot about our Art Modell and his uh, love affair with the city of Cleveland and the fans loving him. And of course, in the, the 80s, Cleveland had uh, several great uh, football teams, Bernie Kosar and the bunch. And uh, but never could bring a championship. Uh, some squabbles. Um, there's a whole another whole story behind Art Modell. But what we really need to know for today is that eventually Art Modell uh, has some spats with the city of Cleveland over a new stadium and and sort of revenue and and just uh, overall. I think he was getting old and just didn't feel like he was getting the love he deserved from from the city leadership and decided. Uh, through a series of a little bit of backhandedness and, and different things to move the team, and he moved them to Baltimore in 1996. Now, the interesting thing is at that time, the NFL made him made an agreement with the city of Cleveland and also then with Art Modell that he could not take the name of the franchise with him. He could not take oh. the Browns with him. The Browns had to stay in Cleveland because the goal of the NFL was to bring a team back to Cleveland eventually, even though Armada was leaving Cleveland. Which they did relatively soon Which, after. several years later, actually, yes, Cleveland got an expansion team and, of course, named right. it the Browns. But today we're talking about the Ravens. And so, at that time, uh, in uh, when, when it was moved to Baltimore, obviously, new franchise, brand new, basically an expansion team, needs a name. And uh, the city actually, city of Baltimore actually rallied around this pretty strong. Obviously, people were very excited. What could we name our new football How team? How long had it been since they had a football team? Uh, I don't know for sure. Probably oh. 30 years? Oh, well, that's quite a stretch, sure. I guess. Yeah, yeah. so it had been quite a, quite a while. Uh, but I'd have to look it up for sure. But anyways, so people were excited that they're going to be coming back. Now, when we go, when we start looking at it, the thing that Art Modell did was he was like, you know what? I want to maximize my money. I want people to be super happy. We need to do a bunch of uh, uh, surveys. We need to fan contests. If we need to do fan contests, we need to narrow this down. People need to submit names. We're gonna we're gonna then take it to uh, small working groups and like let small working groups figure out names and like oh. really whittle this this down. And so. Uh, they, they begin the, the task to figure out what, what the new team name is going to be. And so, uh, obviously, uh, there's all kinds of stuff that gets thought of. And one of the things was, maybe we should just call them the Colts. And people were like, well... Um, Can't really do that. Indianapolis has the Colts. But they're like, yeah, but the Colts started here. Like, it's our name, right? Mm-hmm. And, so they, and so Art Modell actually did look at, into it and was like, maybe I can just, like, get the Colts from the Colts and make them get a new name. Oh, like he was going to buy the name from them. And they were like, the Colts were like, yeah, no problem, $50 million, please. Oh, my gosh. And Art Modell was like, uh, call that marketing team up again because I'm not paying $50 million to be named the Colts. The Colts... Quickly went out, and they were like, "Wait, wait, wait! Before, wait, before we abandon all the horse stuff, what about, what about the Mustangs? Oh, right, because we're not little baby horses anymore. We're the we're Mustangs. The big, we're the Mustangs. The big wild. And uh, everybody's like, "No, that's no, that's that's look past horses. Okay, mm. we're well, we're we were done. The Mustangs in high school. We were. So. They're like, we're done with horses. So." They were like, "We need to do something," which I'm always very happy to hear. We need to do something that represents Baltimore. It needs to be a Baltimore 
name. So they were like, you know, what would be perfect? It needs to have something to do with railroad history. And they're like, Baltimore and railroad history? Uh, how is this? How is this? Well, have you ever heard of something called the B&O Railroad? I have from Monopoly. Exactly. Well, it was a real thing, the B&O Railroad. And the B&O Railroad was one of the very first uh, functioning railroad systems in the United States. It was the Baltimore and Ohio. That's what the B&O stands for, Baltimore oh. and Ohio. And it originated in Baltimore. And it was originally built uh, in the 1820s to compete with the ever-popular Erie Canal. Of course. So the city of Baltimore is like, we're doing this. We're sending railroad tracks out from the East Coast. We're doing this, baby. <laughs> and they did. And they, they were the one, the first ones uh, to go. Ironically enough, uh, one of the early forces of this and in investors was named George Brown. No relation to the Cleveland Browns that uh, I know I of. Say. But interesting enough, right? Yeah. And uh, in 1827, the first steam locomotive ran on the tracks named the Tom Thumb. So I say... Is it the Baltimore Tom Thumbs? That's not no, good. No, that doesn't That's seem right good. at all. Is it, which was predicted, which was uh, actually thought of when the, when the, before the Ravens were picked, one of the, the surveys and the marketing team people were all like, oh, what if we're the railers? The Baltimore railers? The rail, ra no. no. What if we're the, well, the steamers? The Baltimore steamers, mm. the steam engines, right? It could be this cool... Like tough steam engine train, the steamers. Yeah. They're like, okay, steamers, put it on the list. They're like, all right, that sounds good. Oh my gosh, do you think they had a big list of like yes and no's in some office? Somewhere? I hope so. I hope there's a picture oh. somewhere of like people like holding their chin and pointing. Like a list. Of, oh, so they're like, maybe we should be the steamers because, you know, we were the B&O hub. We were, we were the railroad people. We're putting that on the list, baby. And they're like, you know what? We're not just about, we're not just about trains. In Baltimore, someone rose her hand and was like, yo, hey, did you also know that we uh, in Baltimore, just outside the city, built the B-26 bomber in for, that flew in World War II and helped us win the war? Oh my gosh. Maybe we should be honoring that. That, right? B-26s, hello. Uh, this seems to make a lot of sense. And I'm like fact, super excited right now fact, that they're going to be the Baltimore 19, Bombers. But in 1993, I know that's not true. in 1993, when they first were trying to get an expansion team, they were like, "We're the Baltimore Bombers." That's what it is. Oh my gosh! So bring a team here. We're the Bombers. World War II history. When you throw a deep pass, it's called a bomber. Bomb. I don't know. Uh, you like boom, a right? Big throw. Literally yeah. boom, bombs. Boom. Fantastic. But put it on the list. We're not. Put it on the list. We're not ready for this yet. A, uh, a Baltimore Sun columnist was like, you know what? Since we're throwing names out there, maybe we should be the rhinos. Oh, come on. The now. Baltimore rhinos. Ridiculous. Because he said, because uh, uh, they're big and fast and uh, meaty and crazy. So they were like, yeah, this is what it needs to be, the rhinos. Obviously, newspaper columnists always do crazy stuff. Right. Another person uh, wrote, uh, wrote in, I can't remember his name, I'm sorry, uh, off the top of my head, but there was, some, there was a, uh, I believe it was like a, it was a Baltimore uh, marketing like guru, like he owned a marketing agency in Baltimore, and he, he totally had a pitch to whether they should be the Baltimore bacteria. Oh. Because in his whole pitch, 
his whole pitch in, in a column was that uh, nothing <laughs> nothing strikes more fear in the hearts of, of humans. Oh, than bacteria. Than bacteria apt for COVID-19 world oh, right man. now. Bacteria and viruses. Uh, obviously, you'd have Baltimore bacteria. No one really took that one serious. So we're, we've got all kinds of crazy stuff there happening. Uh, lots of things go down. But they start to hold these uh, focus groups. They whittle, they whittle, and they're like, oh, we're going to get it down. And it comes down to roughly about three top names that are really standing out. Are you going to tell me what they are? One of them was the Marauders. Ooh. The Baltimore Marauders. And they, the Marauders was actually an, also trying to be a nod towards their aviation history. Uh, and so they were trying to be like, what, what's in this realm? We're going to go with Marauder. That's going to be one of the ones that kind of like this. And then, uh, and then another one uh, was, was the Baltimore Americans. All right. I and mean, the, uh, but the Americans was what they distilled down from the train history because they were like the uh, the train uh, uh, there was some train history being built in Baltimore and uh, uh, there was uh, some referencing to being sort of a very American technology and so it would still be a train. So they, they know that, that also. The, sorry to interrupt, but that's also was a suggestion for the Washington. NFL team right. name change. So another, I don't agree with it. Well, I it was one of the finalists here in okay. Baltimore. Okay, well, I'm glad it wasn't the one. So th- then they were like, we need one more. <laughs> and at, uh, during all this time, right, there was another name, which is their current name, the Baltimore Ravens. Mm-hmm. And the Ravens was thrown out there uh, because, uh, at first, because they were like, well, uh, our baseball team is the Orioles. Maybe we just need to have like a fierce bird be our football team, mm. and they were like, "Oh, well, that's perfect because Edgar Allan Poe, the famous author, wrote the Raven, right? And his his uh, is buried in Baltimore. So his so he you can go to his grave still, yeah, in Baltimore. Okay, so he's considered a famous Baltimore celebrity." Was he from Baltimore? Aha. So let me tell you a little quick bit about Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, my gosh. Please let, and me, why let me settle the, in for this At the one. end of this, you might be like, well, wait a second. Why are they called the Ravens now? Okay. So anyways, so Edgar Allan Poe, let me tell you, uh, the, you know, one of the crowd favorites for every junior high uh, kid out there, right? Like it's a very... <laughs> Like you read the Raven, you read the Telltale That's Heart. So true. Uh, Annabelle, yeah, the Kurt, was it the something of Annabelle, Annabelle Lee? Lee? Yeah, right. So you have Annabelle Lee. You've got all those short stories. Uh, obviously, uh, many of us learn all about Edgar Allan Poe stories from The Simpsons, which has borrowed many of Edgar Allan Poe stories into there. But uh, obviously, Edgar Allan Poe, very, very famous author, and. Uh, and, and, and most well known for the Raven, which uh, which the the Ravens are now named after. But uh, let me take you back to the year 1809. Now, in 1809, uh, Edgar Allan Poe is born, uh, wee young lad, and uh, he is uh, born in the city of Boston. So not Baltimore. Not Baltimore. Born in Boston to uh, his parents, and by by the age of three, both of his parents had already died. And, uh, Wait, he, what? When he, by the time he was three? Yeah, so by the time he was three, his parents have already died. 
and his two he has two siblings, I believe, uh, who are still living also at this time. And he and his siblings are all separated when his parents die, oh. and they are all, all all given to different foster homes. And uh, he goes to a foster home in Richmond, Virginia, and lives there uh, with his family in Richmond, Virginia. Grows up in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, did I mention it's Richmond, Virginia, Virginia not Baltimore, not Maryland? Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, and uh, so he grows up in Richmond, Virginia, and uh, as a youth is known uh, to uh, love uh, poets, and particularly Lord Byron, uh, loves the romantics, right, uh, as any good high school kid <laughs> does as well. Uh, so, uh, but his, uh, his, uh, uh, his foster parents were were relatively good business uh, uh, people, uh, and and he grows up in a weird world of wanting uh, of his foster parents wanting to go into business and and particularly the tobacco business and some of the other things that they were investors in. But he was always a dreamer. He was one of those kids, right? He was the dreamer, little Eddie, the dreamer. Yeah, you know, uh, and he was already starting to write uh, by the time he was in high school. And uh, and decides uh, once he's old enough that he wants to attend the University of Virginia and to pursue writing. Well, he's sent by his adoptive parents who never really connected with him with not even enough money for like to pay for like the first semester of schooling. Like and he gets there. And so they fostered him, but then adopted him. Uh, I'm or not, like, I'm not is sure that not really a thing? That's not. I don't know. That's not. They just. To he lived with them. He lived with them. Okay, foster parents. Sorry. I'm sure maybe I'm just they adopted him. Trying to get a full yeah, picture I'm of sorry. little Eddie's really macabre upbringing here. <laughs> and so, but it, but they they send him. They're like, yeah, go ahead, go to the University of Virginia. Yeah, punk. Go, you know, get your English. Get away stuff from on. us. Uh, but when you're done and ready, you're gonna come back and run our business, right? Uh, and uh, so he goes. Not enough money at all to even pay for the first semester decides to try to gamble his way into being able to pay for his schooling fails miserably become gets like loses all his money goes into debt uh and uh has to beg back his from his foster parents to like be like yo i got no money you didn't send me enough money here and they're like yeah we're not paying for it you're done at university of virginia and everyone was like well i owe all these people money and they're like we're ignoring them come to back to richmond i'm not paying any of that money so he goes back goes back to richmond and is like i'm not happy here and goes and joins the military and actually goes to west point for some time before there's some well how's there, he affording that well because he enlists right like oh he enlists right. so you get to go for free so he goes to west point is it free to go to west point you know i don't this okay isn't i'm sorry, story I'm, sorry west I'm sorry point here. okay i'm sorry and uh and but th- but then at, at the meantime at age of 18 he publishes his first book so at all this time he's like he's still writing right publishes his first book called the uh, tamerlane and and i was like whoa man he was only 18 when he published his first book that's r- remarkable super Self-published. Self-published. They they don't tell you that right away until you do a little more reading. They don't. But the interesting thing is he talked a a guy into publishing this book for him, a collection of stories, and uh, at the age of 18, and there was only like 20 copies or something like that. Like, he didn't publish very many. Oh, wow. And So that book's worth like a million dollars And they thought it was like lost to history. Until eventually, it was one of the copies was found at the British Museum, like year, like way after his death, right? They're yeah. like, "Oh, what's the 
Edgar Allan Poe, Timberlake. Oh, anyways. So anyways, nothing oh, really to do with the Ravens, but interesting side now. So anyways, he's young. He's like 20. Drop, gets kicked out of West Point, or kind of drops out. He, there's some speculation that he forced his way out by being dumb and like not trying hard because he wanted to get kicked out. He didn't want to do it because he wanted to be a writer. And uh, from there, he uh, goes back and forth and uh, uh, back to Richmond. Uh, and over the course of the next uh, like several years, 10 years, he, he writes for some... Uh, some quarterly magazines. He he becomes uh, uh, an editor writer of the Southern Literary Messenger in in Richmond, uh, and uh, and then uh, eventually uh, ends up uh, when he when he when he goes to uh, Baltimore for a short period of time, he ends up living with his aunt, and he gets boarded from her because one of the hallmarks of Edgar Allan Poe is that he never ever made any money. He was always poor. Wow. During his time, during his oh, lifetime. Never always. made any really any money. He was basically like a freelance writer his entire life. Like he worked for some journals and stuff, but never made a money off of what off his writing in his life. I mean he pub- self-published stuff. He never really had any distribution for his his writing other than the quarterlies. And he was always just writing stuff and like giving his short stories to like these literary magazines and stuff that really didn't pay him much. Like they paid him like 10 bucks. And then he okay. like would never like negotiate rights for these things and stuff. So then like people would reprint his stuff and he would never make money off the reprints because uh, he never really like had a copyright. Right, so he like he, signed his rights away. Right, like would, he never yeah. really was very good at being a businessman, which is ironic because his family, was family is, is, is his foster family was big business people. So he does that. While living with his aunt, guess who he unfortunately, or at that time, who knows, fortunately, gets smitten with? Why? His cousin. And his cousin at the time is Wait, like, his biological cousin? Or? He, oh yeah, first cousin. Oh. First cousin. So he was living with his aunt, which was his father's sister. His father who died? Yes. His real father. father oh my gosh. Biological father. Okay. Turns out, her daughter, he becomes smitten with, first cousin. Yikes. Uh, and Virginia is her name. And uh, decides, you know what? I'm going to marry her. Guess how old she was? Oh, gosh. I don't want to know. The youngest I've read is 13. I've oh, also read 14. So no. 13 or 14 years old. Virginia old marries Edgar Allan Poe. He, at the time, was 24, I believe. Oh. Uh, and then they would begin to bounce around from town to town throughout the East Coast, uh, uh, sort of trying to get gigs as a writer. Uh, and he would spend some time in New York City, uh, spend some time in Philadelphia, went back to Richmond, uh, bouncing around for like the next, you know, uh, roughly 15-ish year, 14, 15 years as a writer, writing for literary journals, uh, and not really ever like becoming famous or anything at this time and people knew him just because he traveled around and was a writer and like would recognize his name from these journals and stuff but never made any money and uh and all this stuff and eventually uh edgar Allan poe uh finally in 1845 finally gets uh, a very famous poem published called the raven and getting the raven published makes him an overnight success oh like it gets published and people are like, that's a great poem. I mean, it is a great Edgar poem. Edgar Allan Poe is awesome. We want to read more of his stuff. And like he became instantly famous from The Raven. And like people loved it. 
and he was uh, starting to embrace his fame, especially in New York City. Uh, and at that time, it was started to rumor more and more that he was starting to have several affairs with other women. I mean, underage women? Uh, I did not look up their names. At this time, his wife, Virginia, still only 24 years old. Still young. Good Lord. Uh, he, at the time, is roughly like 38 years old, I believe, and, or, or so. So, uh, so he's finally got fame. He started to have affairs. Virginia, though, contracts tuberculosis oh. at the age of 24. And well, soon, that's it for her. And soon after dies tragically young at the age of 24. Well, they probably call it consumption. Consumption. And Edgar Allan Poe's true feelings of the, like, he never really made any qualms about it while he was stepping out on Virginia all this time and supposedly having affairs. uh, He, like, supposedly truly loved Virginia. I mean, I guess. And at this point, you know, it it was already known that he was kind of a drunk, like, he had kind of a reputation of, of getting drunk. In fact, several times in his life, he would be found by friends, like, l- asleep on a sidewalk. Oh, right? nice. Like, okay. And was kind of known by some as, like, drinking himself silly. Well, the death of Virginia really makes him sort of really go at the uh, becoming more and more uh, dependent on alcohol for the last two years of his life before bizarrely having a weird ending uh, that many people uh, know about when they hear about Edgar Allan Poe is that he has a weird thing where he goes missing for several days. He's, he's traveling mm-hmm. from Richmond to where? To Baltimore. Baltimore. And goes missing. Uh, during the, after traveling by steamership from Richmond to Baltimore, goes missing for several days and then r- randomly pops up in a, in a pub house uh, and is found by a man who then it was like it was takes him to the hospital and was like yeah I just found Edgar Allan Poe like nobody had seen him for like five days and all of a sudden he's in this bar like basically unconscious so like he was kind of well known at this time so people yeah because he had gotten super famous from the right, Raven so people like would have known who he was yeah takes him to the hospital and spends a few days in the hospital before dying and the the doctors were like we have no idea what what killed him like we don't know, we have no idea he's dead. Wow. And his family doesn't even know. His family back left back in Virginia and Richmond still, uh, and some of the the ladies he was dating. Nobody even knows that he has died until his obituary appears in the newspaper. What? And the obituary that appears in the newspaper was written by one of his literary like and personal rivals, Rufus Griswold, who. Not decides to write this scathing obituary depicting Edgar Allan Poe as this crazy, philandering, uh, alcoholic, adulterer who no one really took serious and like was like always making up weird stories and would never amount to anything. Well, people read the obituary and they're like, hey, isn't that the guy who wrote The Raven? We got to read more of his stuff. And immediately, like, demand for all of his, like, short stories and poetry skyrockets immediately after his death because his of rival... Skate who was trying to, like, trying shade to, him. like, yeah, like, put him out of his... Like, just be like, oh. put the uh, theoretical mm-hmm. stake in the shame, heart, right? Shame. Comes back to bite his rival. And no one no one knows Rufus Griswold, right? No, but we never sure heard know of Edgar him. Allan Poe. So Poe dies in Baltimore alone under mysterious conditions... Never really had any con- real true connection to Baltimore, 
Uh, other than that, other than he met Virginia there uh, at, at years ago. That's where he originally meets Virginia when he's in Baltimore for a short period, short, short period of time. It's never like really lived, a you know, never really like spent a big part of his life. I mean, in fact, the Edgar Allan Poe Museum, where I got much of this information from uh, online, is in Richmond, Virginia. Oh my god! Not even in Baltimore, which I had no idea. Like I Me no, either. I, I just, I guess I just on the surface was like, oh yeah, Baltimore, because you always heard he's buried in he, Baltimore. That's where he's from. And uh, that, and then you know, since 1996, I've always thought, well, yeah, because we're called the Ravens. He must have like lived there more. No, he just died there and is buried there. Oh my god! But the city has owned that. And with the connection to the Orioles being a bird, it made so much sense to like, oh, we'll just name another bird. Oh, I got on both. Let's post, double down here. on the post. Stuff. Raven. We could see really some really cool like logos with ravens and some cool colors, black and purple. Like, yeah, scenes, great stuff, right? Uh, Ray Lewis will look fantastic as the linebacker Ray tackling Lewis. people with a raven on the side of his helmet, right? Yeah, he will. Uh, and so, uh, so, so it comes down. So fly back to you. I'm literally flying back, pun intended, with the birds. Oh, babe. We've got three names. We've got the Americans. We've got the Marauders. We've got the Ravens in the running, right? Yeah. And the Baltimore Sun is like, you know what we'll do? It's 1996. The best way to get people to vote for this is they can call us. So a no. call-in vote to the Baltimore Sun. You had to call the Baltimore Sun and vote for who, what You had what to talk to name? a person on the phone. You had a call. 1996, right? Oh, my. Yes. The internet was in its infancy. People were using Hotmail, which you still use. Hey! And people were like... Don't say that. Well, you got to call us if you want to vote. So That's awesome. 33,288 people called the Baltimore Sun and say, yo, it's the Ravens. Wow. Yes. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. 33,000. Uh, sorry, I missed that was missed over because this number is shockingly low to me. It's 33,280 people vote. Okay, total. Total. Okay. On all the names, the Ravens name gets 21,108 of those votes. So, oh, an overwhelming victory. Yeah. The Americans and Marauders come in second and third, only get only, the two of those only getting roughly 5,000 votes each. So the Wow. Ravens, hands down. By far, the biggest Now, name. I just want to quick point out how few people voted in this. Because well, what's the population of Baltimore? 33,000. Know? Uh, I'm going to guess Baltimore's population is somewhere well over a million. I'm not 100% on that. Maybe you can look it up really quick while I get some of these other stats. Okay. But 33,288 people vote. Now, the, the Baltimore Ravens Stadium holds 71,000 people. Oh. So... In the grand scheme of things, when it came down to the fan vote, there really wasn't a good percentage of people actually. Okay, I have the population of Baltimore. Yeah, well, how many people live? As of in 2011, 619,000. Okay, so a little smaller than I anticipated. I would, I would have guessed Baltimore at a million. Well, it looks like they have a large, like. Um, suburban area. There is, it's well, it definitely. I mean, Baltimore and Washington D.C. sort of blend into each other. Like it's a big metro area. Which, by the way, when the Nationals, going back to your thing, when the Nationals were going to go into D.C., the Orioles were very upset about that because they thought it was going to take away some of their fan base. Oh, yeah, interesting. Enough. Anyways, too bad Orioles. Not that many people voted for this, by the way. Right. So they become the Ravens, though. The vote is They're done. They're Ravens. Art Modell is like, yes, Ravens. We're going to name it the Ravens. It's named after Edgar Allan Poe's story, The Ravens, The Raven. 
meanwhile, you had no idea that technically then it's named after this uh, literally crazy author who has a really, really crazy backstory. Died at the age of 40. He Whoa. was only 40 when he died. You're 40. Back. I'm 40. Uh, there is some, there is met much, much speculation about Edgar Allan Poe. Could be a time traveler. I'm not sure. Maybe he's not a time traveler. Um, I heard he had rabies. And that's you heard he, he had rabies of. and wore like other people's suits when he died. I don't know. Wearing there's, someone else's there's suit. This, there's <laughs> some great story behind his gravestone getting a flower placed on it for many years. Uh, there's just lots of great macabre because he is the, the founder of uh, macabre. And a lot of people say he's one of the true, first true like, uh, detective writers and like uh, right the telltale heart yeah, yeah that's and a, yeah. and really launched uh, some science fiction as well like he has he has a great place in American literary history uh, despite the fact of being uh, born poor and pretty much being poor his entire life and never making really any money off of his writing which is yeah. really interesting as well but a but uh, NFL football team is named after his most famous piece where of work. Where he died, yeah. And it's where he died. Would, that is insane. So there you have it. I just want to give a shout-out to Encyclopedia Britannica, oh uh, the Baltimore God, Sun. Encyclopedia Why would Britannica. I not use an encyclopedia? <laughs> every, okay? every time it's Encyclopedia Britannica. Well, i got to use my respected sources. Baltimore Sun, some great columns by the Baltimore Sun to help me get this. And, of course, the Edgar Allan Poe Museum in Richmond, Virginia, which I will now most definitely have to go to someday. Yeah. Uh, because the, and the influence of Edgar Allan Poe, it's, it's actually very fitting that he would, be influ- he would even influence a sports team uh, because he... Uh, he was not athletic in high school. The inf- but the influence uh, on many famous uh, other authors and artists... Uh, and uh, thinkers over the years has been really great. And in fact, many of them have like pilgrimage to the opening of the Poe Museum when it opened. And like, there's some really great history there as well. So uh, yeah, if you don't know much about Edgar Allan Poe, you might want to take a trip, take a trip and, wow. and cheer on the Ravens. the Ravens. I've always liked the Ravens. Yeah. Um, that was great. Yeah. I never knew all that about Edgar Allan Poe. That was super interesting. I like that it was a call-in too. You know, I love a call-in. Like a you vote. love a call-in vote. And I do, but I do love that some people, I like literally talked about it. I, I didn't mention this, but I mentioned that, the, that it was like a, a sister name to the Orioles. And even as it was going, like during the process, there were people who were like, oh, yeah, I voted for the Ravens. And when they would ask them, they would be like, because it's, like, Cause the it's like the Orioles. Like they, oh, they didn't know, even make the connection. Like, some, like there was some, I don't know, give speculative perception, but there was right. there was like other people who were like, yeah, it's the Orioles. They had no idea. It wasn't even about a Allan Poe. Oh, man. Even people in Baltimore at Just that time. Just because it was birds. Because, We're yeah. the bird city. Uh, birds make sense. Yeah, I mean, it makes our sense. NHL team is the, uh, you know, the... Yeah, uh, the other birds. The chickadees. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it makes sense. Like, you know, in Chicago, it's the Chicago Bears and the Chicago Cubs. They're both bears. Like, you, you, get, you see that a lot in cities, yeah. so it kind of makes sense. And But, it, uh, yeah, so there you have it. It was a great story. Yeah, that was a really great story. Super entertaining I mean, Edgar Allan Poe sounds like a lunatic. He probably sounds like he had some severe emotional issues uh, at being an alcoholic. And I think he died of rabies. But, you know, who's to know now? No one knows, for real. Quote the raven. Quote the raven. Nevermore. Great job. That was amazing. Um, all right. Now it's time for our categories. Uh, we vote on... We have four categories for each... Um, of the you know teams that we do because we're very competitive and I usually always tell Josh like I feel like I could do everything he does as good as he does and I think I'm probably pretty competitive and you're kind of competitive but 
just you're always so confident, so you just always think you're gonna win. Which I don't know if that's competitiveness or just arrogance. Whoa, what's up with the low blows right now? I'm just because I know I'm gonna lose this one, and I rightfully <laughs> should lose this one. But anyway, we'll do my team first. So we changed it to the other person gets to vote on the categories on a scale of one to five. Five being super great, one being not great at all. So starting with the Washington NFL team. Josh, uniqueness of the name. Um, can I give it a zero? Yep, you sure can. It's a stupid name. Second category, reflection of the town or city. Again, uh, I think that's a zero. Oh, I 100% agree with you. has nothing to do with Washington, D.C. at all. Interest of the story behind the name. Uh, you know what? I, I, I w was very interested in the story behind where it came from. Uh, yeah. Does it make it a? It's it's a good story in that it was educational, not good in that where it arrived. Right. So, uh, as much as I want to give it a zero, I'm going to give it a one. Okay, I'll agree with that. And the last court category, oh, standing the test of time. Well, certainly it should not. Let's and it hope should be it taken doesn't. Down just like the statue uh, that you referenced. Yes, I'm um, I'm going to give it a zero. Yes. Giving the Washington NFL team's name a total of one. It's the lowest scoring team we've had. Rightfully so. Change your stinking name. I gave you a bunch of good ideas. The Red Foxes? Hello. I'm here for that all day. I, I vote for it. I will, I'll call in to the Baltimore Sun and vote for that <laughs> name. <coughs> all right. The Ravens. The Ravens. Uniqueness of name. It's pretty good. It's a unique name. Named after a poem. What, who else is named after a poem? I'm going to give it a four because I like it. Next, reflection of the town or city. I mean, it does reflect it, but not in the way I thought it exactly did. Exactly right. <laughs> no, it's, it's, a, it's a very surprising, yet kind of Edgar Allan Poe-ish. Yeah, it is kind of like because he died there like right. weirdly. Yeah. I'm going to give it a five because I think that's fun. And interest behind... Interest of the story behind the name? Super interesting. That's a five for me. Whoa. No, it I'm was really, you did a great job. Thank you. You are great at everything you do. It's the arrogance. <laughs> Standing the test of time? That's a tough one because they haven't been around. They have, the, the team has only been around since 1996, but the poem. Oh, certainly. come on. Well, we're not talking about the poem. I'm just saying the name. You think that's going to go away? I'm going to give it a four. Still, though, that's a score of 14. Clearly beating the Washington NFL teams. The Ravens have pulled this one out. As I hope the Ravens will pull this one out. And every other team that plays the Washington NFL team until they change their name. Agreed. Change the name. Change. Or just become a Baltimore Ravens fan. Sure. You could do that, too. Yeah. So that is it for us on the NFL. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at go underscore team underscore stories. I know that's a mouthful. It was the only thing that was available. I tried. Um, it's a great name. I don't know why you don't like it. Well, because of the underscores. It's yeah, just a mouthful. It's Instagram. Um, you can email us at go team stories at gmail.com. And what's, you just Facebook. look up uh, Facebook, go team. Go team, yeah. Right? That's what you look up. And we're on Facebook too. So, um, yeah, that's it for the NFL. Uh, we'll see you in two weeks. And thank you for to all our new listeners for um, downloading and liking and subscribing. And, yeah, go team. Go team.